calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Frap How. We're your hosts, Odd and Rag. Uh, so today we got to interview Bambi Lance, who is an official from Indianapolis. And she's also an official with MS. Uh, she started as a skater and then became a ref. And as she, her MS continues to get worse, um, over the past year, she started using walking aids um, and wheelchairs between games. But she still raps and she still skates. And um, I'm not going to say that like she's inspirational because she told us flat out that she doesn't want to be put on a pedestal. And I think inspiration porn is bullshit. But what I would like to point out is that I think there are a lot of really good points about how we view uh, disability in this interview as a society and as a community. And we need to have a bigger conversation about accessibility and inclusion, um, which I think is why this interview is really important for us and for you as a listener to partake in. Tell us about yourself. Uh, my derby name is Bambi Lance. Uh, I have been involved in derby since 2007. Uh, played for several years uh, till I was put on blood thinners and wasn't allowed to play anymore and started officiating. Uh, in my real life, I had been a uh, critical care paramedic. Uh, still am to this day this year marks 28 years uh was an athletic trainer uh and mainly did uh special events and sports type medicine so uh where i worked here in indiana uh in indianapolis we did uh a specialty group handled the colts that's awesome so it sounds like your life has 
been surrounded by sport and athletics for a while. Yes. And uh, in high school, and well, not even high school, from the, from the time I was like six until high school, I played soccer. Uh, so sports were, was not new to me by, by any means. And, uh, and then when I got into Derby, I was originally asked to come medic at practice and watched for about six weeks and was like, I can't just watch. I, I actually have to do this. Yeah, that happens pretty often. <laughs> that's how they get you. Yeah, and that's how you get suckered in. Uh, and yeah, have got suckered in, uh, played until 2012, 2013, even though I had a start, had started officiating and was still skating in 2011 to help our men's team uh, who had just started. And when I got put on the blood thinners, I was forced to stop playing. So officiating seemed the normal route to go to prevent me from having to stop completely. And then in 2015, I was at work one night and uh, had been having this weird sensation in my legs. And uh, within a matter of hours had become kind of off balance and was holding onto the wall to, to walk. And my boss was like, you know, let me take you home. And I'm like, I'm fine. And within a matter of hours, I couldn't walk anymore. And I spent seven days in neurocritical care, receiving high dose steroids and uh, other meds and was diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder called transverse myelitis. What is what does that mean? Like, in layman's terms? So basically, they call it like the silent spinal cord injury. It's like having a spinal cord injury without having the injury, and it's called caused from inflammation to the spinal cord. What? Yeah. Do, do they know what, like, brings that on? They have no idea. <sighs> and it's super rare. And does that go hand-in-hand hand with MS? Is that part of MS? Well, that's the funny part. A very small percentage of people who have transverse myelitis end up with multiple sclerosis. Okay. So I always joke and say, I've always said, go big or go home. So, you know, I <laughs> you had to did go it. for both of them. Yep. Uh, so when I first had that, I spent five months learning how to walk again. Mm -hmm. And uh, the specialist asked if I had been back on skates and I was like I can't even walk are you kidding me and he was like give it a try because uh for some people you know it's like Parkinson's patients who can ride bicycles or patients who have Lou Gehrig's disease who uh there was a famous pitcher major league baseball pitcher several years ago I think he was with the Diamondbacks that had Lou Gehrig's disease that was like wheelchair bound and all kinds of crazy stuff, but they would put him in a batting cage and it was like nothing was wrong with him. That's so strange. Yeah. I mean, it's like people with um, Tourette's who have um, verbal tics, they'll, <clears throat> they can usually um, they do a lot of therapy with 
singing hmm. too. And it's really interesting to see how like gotcha. the body can I just like do so many different things. Right. I guess like that kind of makes sense. We have a friend who was just recently diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and uh-huh. her her hips are constantly popping out and like she needs a walking aid and sometimes a wheelchair just because like she can't always walk normally. But skating causes her no pain whatsoever. Yeah, it's I, I believe it. And it's different nerve pathways. It's different muscle memory and your brain doesn't have to think about it. That's so interesting. Which is funny because my brain has to think about walking. Hmm. I have to put verbal thought into walk, not verbal, but sometimes verbal. I'm telling myself <laughs> this foot, that foot. Uh, but yeah, uh, I can get on skates and I don't have to think about it. I can just move and it's fluid. And when I got back on skates, it was like I had never been off of them. That's that's I mean, that's amazing that you have something like that. I lucked out. I it was the one quote unquote normal thing I had la- left from what I call my previous life. Uh, because everything else had changed. I lost my ability to work. I lost my ability to do lots of things. Right. Uh, I could walk again. I had I had to use, at the time I was using forearm crutches uh, and had a couple of flare-ups during that time. And then it was probably three years ago I started having acute vision changes. Uh, I started having double vision. My vision changed dramatically uh, in a short amount of time. And they did another MRI and they found that I had several lesions. And then I now had the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis on top of this. Mm. So how are how are those um, legion, lesions um, connected to MS? Could you explain that a little bit? So... Basically, wherever the the lesions are, the areas of, I guess I say illness are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of a wire, like an electrical wire on it, anything, it has uh, sheathing on it to help conduct the electricity through it. Mm-hmm. Well, the nerves have this sheathing too to help the nerve transmit the electrical signal from the brain to wherever it's going in the body. And with them and that sheathing is called myelin. Mm-hmm. And with multiple sclerosis, what happens is those lesions uh, are caused by areas of demyelinization. So that's where the sheathing has come off of that electrical wire. Isn't myelin the thing that the um that goes on the neural pathways? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm yeah. I'm now putting everything together in my head. Okay. And uh, I had several places in my brain where there had been this demyelinization. Uh, so you had been diagnosed with transverse myelitis, um, and then you got the second diagnosis. Um, how did being diagnosed with MS, on top of everything, um, change your life? Um, 
it's been interesting. I still think that I hadn't accepted the diagnosis of transverse myelitis uh, when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Uh, and that has since even progressed. And as of this past January, as in last month, was diagnosed with progressive multiple sclerosis. Uh, as I have new lesions despite medication uh, and had multiple flare-ups during the year on the medication. Uh, It's hard. Uh, You know, people who aren't familiar with public service jobs, firefighters, police, EMS, things like that, we always work multiple jobs. So I did my three hours a week, uh, three 12-hour shifts in the emergency room once a week, and then I taught part-time, and then I did my traveling and special events for medicine, uh, for sports, and so to go from being non-stop on the go and, you know, on top of that, derby practice three to four times a week and games and to have everything come to a halt. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, still very trying. I can imagine. I mean, both Odd and I have our own chronic illnesses, but not to that extent. And it's trying for us when we have a bad flare up. So, I mean, you're you're now a ref. You I I know offline um, you told me that you were the first legally disabled tournament head ref at, with the champs. So it looks like you're still trying to be a part of it. But I can't. Like, it must be so hard just to, like, manage. It is hard. Uh, My brain, it's funny because you don't think about concentrating on something, making yourself physically tired. Right. And I have concentrated focus on things for longer than two hours just utterly exhaust me. Mm. Yeah. So it's easy for me to go do a game and then I'm down and out. Right. Uh, which is great. Uh, skating at tournaments is really easy because I would I take a a cot with me between my games. I sleep, uh, kind of refresh, you know, right. Try to re- re- rest myself and refresh. Uh, I've always made arrangements uh, if there were issues with the tournament heads. Uh, or as in WFTDA's case, uh, with broadcast and the BOD two years ago, well, since we're in 2020, I guess it would be, yeah, 2018, two years ago, I was a crew head ref for playoffs in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I was real concerned because sometimes as my body gets tired, I have problems putting sentences together okay. or trying to relay information. You know, I can, I can call a verbal cue. That's simple. That's short. But if we were to be in an official review and me to come back and relay information, I might say something totally off the wall because what I'm trying to say and what my body actually does are two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because it's not only people um, who might have something like MS where, you know, your body just gets worn out and it gets difficult to, like you're saying, make that um, 
transition from sort of doing these short calls um, on penalties to like explaining a situation. Um, I think it applies to so many more types of disabilities and situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I think that a request like that is really important um, just to make in general. And so people are aware that there is such a spectrum of abilities and a spectrum of like how people like the strengths that people play have and what they can bring to the table and how to facilitate um like leadership like that like even if you're having a difficult time it's still possible for you to be head ref agreed and i think that anybody who has those kind of problems as long enough as it's communicated in advance uh, and there's a plan worked out for, you know, if there's a problem, I wanted to go into it, you know, I have a plan for this, not, oh shit, let's make this up on the fly as we go. Because that's where you end up having problems. Right. And all the teams were so highly respectful and we're 100% completely, we understand, you know, if there's something that we can do to help you, let us know. And it was just the amount of support from everyone was just really overwhelming. Uh, So I was really surprised this last year when I was uh, accepted and invited to be tournament head ref. at champs in Montreal, because that is a huge undertaking mentally and physically. And uh, right off the bat, the BOD was like, whatever we need to do to support you, we'll do it. You know, if you need to take a game off to go rest somewhere, we'll make sure you have a place. If we need to do this, you know, if we need to do that, you know, just let us know what kind of accommodations we need to make. That's, and uh, that's just like, to me, that's like really hopeful because like there's so many places in everyday life and especially in sport where reasonable accommodations aren't made. And just knowing that like the BOD for the champs, like allowed for accommodation so you can do your job to the best of your ability it it just like that that seems so hopeful to me that like there's there's hope in this sport yet to continue to be accommodating agreed 100 percent, and it's been my goal for a long time to make sure that there are those accommodations that can be made Uh, You always have to weigh, you know, risk versus benefit, which is horrible. But that goes with an able-bodied person, too. Mm -hmm. You, it it doesn't just apply to those of us with disabilities. Uh, It's funny when I, you know, go into a captain's meeting and I'm on my walker because I use a walker now. uh, Or I'm in my wheelchair and people are like, what? And I'm like, just wait, just watch. Uh, they're like, really? You're our head ref? Yes. A lot of teams know me now, so it's not as big of an issue as it was several years ago. Yeah. But I hope that I can also give inspiration to people as well who have disabilities that, look, you can do this thing if you set your mind to it. Yeah, and that you have the right to ask 
to be included um, and that it is possible. Like, I think that what you're doing is showing other people who um, have different types of disabilities that they can ask for accommodations and that they can be met. Like, it is very possible. Yes, uh, most definitely so. The one thing that I have never done is use my disability as an excuse. Uh, if I performed poorly in a game, I own it. I perform poorly in a game. We all have good games and we have bad games. Mm-hmm. That happens with perfectly abled people too. I have never gone, well, you know, it's my MS. Hmm. Yep, I suck that up and I'm going to work on it and I'm going to fix it. Uh, but I also think that like, I'm sure it also kind of changed how you handled the situations. I mean, obviously it did by like you making sure that you have somebody with you, your IPR or whomever. Like, uh, so when I go to games, I have to tell the head ref that I have non-epileptic seizures and then I have to explain it and then I have to go find the Ian. Mm-hmm. EMT and explain what a non-epileptic seizure is and they always look at me and they're like and you're the captain and I go yeah I'm also the all-star jammer and they look at me like I have five heads but it taught me to if anything non-epileptic seizures taught me to play differently so I'm not going to blame my seizures for how I perform but I am going to thank them for teaching me to play a different way to avoid having them and that's awesome that you have learned to adapt. And I think that's all what it is, is teaching us how to learn to adapt how we perform. Right. Uh, And to perform more efficiently. Uh, I think in some cases, it actually made me an even better official than I was. That's just me. I don't know. Uh, Like, how how would you think that it made you a better official? I'm interested to know what you think changed for the better. Um, partly because it was my quote unquote, one normal thing left from my previous life. Uh, so I had more time to focus on that than I had before. Um, and I was more conscious of my performance than I was before. Uh, before I would, I would most definitely take feedback you know, and I would try to improve on those things. But I was never one of those officials that would sit down and watch footage of myself and all those kinds of things, because I was just like, eh, whatever. Uh, But I started doing those things because I wanted to see, I guess, in my mind, if it really made a difference in the way I performed. And uh, I think I also became harder on myself after all this. Uh, which made me, I I feel, made me stronger. Um, A lot of people are just like, you know, why don't you give up? Why don't you stop doing it? You know, traveling's hard on you, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, you know what? I would rather go spend the weekend doing something I love and take a week to two weeks to recuperate than to sit in my house all the time and do nothing. I think that's a really important point because I think a lot of people look at those with disabilities, especially physical disabilities, where they require like walking aids or wheelchairs, that like they can't have fun, they can't travel, they can't do things. They they they're gonna they need to be cooped up all day. And it's like heaven forbid, you guys actually have a fulfilling, enriching, fun hobby in life and go do things that you enjoy instead of throwing yourself a pity party twenty four seven. Essentially, exactly. 
And it it is still something that I very much love and brings me joy. Uh, I love being around the people and I've made such amazing friends over the past forever years. Uh, and several of these people are now my family and I wouldn't trade any of that for anything, even if it meant trading this disease for that, because I wouldn't wish this on anyone, not even my worst enemy. Right. Now, if I could get a refund, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I think, we, I think we all have things that we kind of want to refund. I think some of us have it more pressing than others, of course. It look like a mulligan. <laughs> Can I get a rain check? Can we just like delay this <laughs> exactly. for a little bit? We're just going to put this on pause. Uh, and I always have people go, oh, you know, they'll talk about something and they'll look at me and be like, oh, well, you know, my, this is nothing compared to what you've got, you know, what's going on with you. And I'm like, I will never in a million years say that my pain or what I'm going through is any worse than what someone else is going through because everybody's illness, trauma, whatever is different. Right affects how everyone handles it different so this might be the worst thing of your life so i can't sit there and say oh mine's way more horrible than yours it's not the trauma olympics right that that's how i see it like what somebody has it's bad and it can be bad for them and it could feel worse than what i have but don't diminish what you have because like that's it is your life that it's affecting. And so even if it's seemingly small, it's actually much bigger than you think it is. And that's what I try to get people to understand. Uh, it's also interesting seeing the looks we get from people that I get from people. Yeah. So I remember last year being at Big O, it was hilarious. I'm like, oh, crap, it's past, past due time for my injection. And at the time I was doing... Uh, injections of a medication called Capaxone three times a week. And uh, mm -hmm. so a lot of them I can give to myself, but in certain places, I can't give them to myself. So I remember being bent over the counter in the bathroom <laughs> with uh, another, my friend and another official, Ninja, giving me this injection in the bathroom and people walking in looking at us like what's going on over there <laughs> that's kind of weird but but not the weirdest thing we've probably seen in the derby competition bathroom <laughs> <laughs> whatever you know people are like <laughs> okay uh i can imagine that was very weird and entertaining for people and, and of course we're just cracking up because it's funny as hell that you know i've been over this counter in the bathroom and she's giving me a shot uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of have to make light of the whole situation yeah i mean i i know for me one of the things that i like to do is just like like on when it's a timeout and I'm on the jam line and I'm talking to the other jammer, we'll be talking. And I would be like, yeah, you know, jamming's pretty hard. It's really hard when you have seizures. And then you hear, 
fives <laughs> or like you hear next wh- whistle uh the timeout is over and they're just like they give me this look like what the fuck and then you hear five seconds and then the whistle goes off and i'm like bye <laughs> and they just like sprint away <laughs> and it's just like i use it as a tool to kind of like fuck with people's heads but because you like, totally just threw them off the game <laughs> No, I mean, everybody knows my secret at this stage because I'm so I just tell them and then they're like they come up to me afterwards and they're like, oh, my God, I totally know why you said that to me now. <laughs> exactly. And people don't like people who are outside of medicine don't understand because they're like, oh, my gosh, they're out there laughing about something. But like you. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's like you. <sighs> I just I think about um, this one guy on Instagram, Shane Burkaw, and he has I, don't, I can't remember what he has now right off the top of my head. I know you're going to whip out your phone. He's confined to a um, electric wheelchair and um, his whole company and his whole foundation is called Laughing at My Nightmare. Yes, spinal muscular And that's atrophy. just like that's what I feel like is sometimes you just have to laugh because like it's absurd. The whole thing's absurd. Because you have no idea what we see and go through on a daily basis. That if we didn't laugh or make jokes, thank you, we would go totally insane. Yeah. And he, like his whole thing is like, I'm just going to find a reason to laugh about this. And like, I'm not going to say that's inspirational or whatever, but like I do as somebody with seizures, I think that like you just sometimes have to figure out a way to laugh at yourself because like otherwise people are going to just look at you with those sad eyes and you're like no I want to laugh let's laugh let's be happy right I mean it's like it's enough of a burden to carry the actual physical pain and disorientation and the like trying to figure out how to walk like that is such a heavy burden to carry around alone and then like having to be serious about all of your treatments and your appointments and like Um, and not being able to do anything fun like that sounds like a shitty life like no one would want to do I was gonna say this is where we say we're allowed to have fun we're allowed to have hobbies we're allowed to go out and do things Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I just I'm I'm I really struggle well have been struggling a lot lately with depression and it feels like everybody just expects you to not show up and to sit in bed all day and I'm like I'm already fucking sick of that. Like that's actually making my depression worse. Um, and so I, I'm still depressed even if I come to practice and I'm having fun. Like it doesn't doesn't negate the other thing. Yeah, and people don't mm-hmm. understand. That. Yeah, uh, I, and I completely understand that. So, a little bit with work, I had some depression. Uh, once all this hit, it was like, then I started, like, the PTSD came out from my job because now I'm not doing all these things. And with all this other pain that I'm going through, this is bringing all this other stuff to the surface and bringing up, like, major depressive disorder. And yeah, just it compounds things on top of it. And 100%. You want to say to these people, you know, just back off me and leave me alone. And it's like, as somebody who also lives with chronic, so I have chronic migraines and I I like lose feeling in half my body sometimes with how bad the migraines get. And my partner would always be like, why don't you just like stay home? 
you know, don't go to the gym, don't go to work, just stay home. And I'm like, I'm going to be in pain no matter where I am. So I might as well go do the things that I enjoy to do, whether or not I'm in pain. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be in pain. Let me just go do it, you know? And that's, I feel like you're going to be depressed. You're going to be in pain no matter what. So if you can go do something you enjoy, just go do it. And you can do both. Mm-hmm. Or I guess I, I should say you can be both. You can be depressed, but also do something that really makes you happy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Most people don't understand that. Well, with all this discussion about disability and all the work that you have continued to do with roller derby, um, what is something that you're the most proud of? Um, I mean, despite that, I would have to say my family. Uh, my family has been amazingly supportive. Um, my child just turned 16, so he's dealt with this since he was 11. And in some cases, I've felt really bad because I'm like, holy crap, at times I feel like he's taking care of me, but He's also very compassionate and caring and strong and independent. And these are things that we have taught him. Uh, I mean, raising raising a child is hard. Raising a child when you have a disability is hard. Raising an adolescent is hard. Is hard. But raising... A child to be, you know, to be empowering that that is really something to be proud of. And that I mean, as somebody who wants to have children in the future, that's something that like I can only hope to accomplish as a future parent. So I think we have one one last question for you. Um, do you consider yourself to be an inspiration? or a hero like you know how sometimes people with disabilities don't like being seen as like inspirational like being put on the pedestal because of doing something in spite of yeah like how do you feel about that for yourself um i don't think i'm an inspiration or hero uh i was just told recently that i needed to shut up because i was wrong Actually, it was funny because they called it the ump pedestal, uh, as an umpire strikes back. And uh, they were like, you are one of these high caliber officials that people don't want to let you down or upset you. Mm -hmm. So they put you on this pedestal. And I'm like, I I don't want to be on that pedestal. I just kind of want to be over here and (laughs) do my thing. and. and be myself uh on the other point i want people to understand that there is a place for people with disabilities within the sport right yeah i think that's really important and i think putting people on a pedestal who doesn't who don't want to be there is more of their issue and not your issue like if you don't want to be there that's up to you but how people interact with you that's on them. I just think that you shouldn't trust people who want to be put on pedestals. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Bambi. Um, we definitely learned a lot, um, especially medical terminology. <laughs> so many medical terms. <laughs> um, if you guys have a story you'd like to talk about, um, you can send us an email at frowpowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast. And remember, my friends, don't, don't be a dick. dick.